What's up, people? It's your boy D Raw coming to you with another episode of The HSC. And I know it's been a little while, man. It's been about a couple weeks. But you know, your boy D Raw had a lot of life eventful things going on. My birthday, anniversary, Valentine's, all those things in one week, day after day after day. And so it was a very, very busy week. And then also we got to mention there was a Super Bowl. The Super Bowl actually landed on my birthday. So, you know, it was really a crazy, crazy week for me. Uh, I've been wanting to do an episode and get this this out there, you know what I'm saying, to keep y'all updated. But, hey, the time is now. The time has come. And your boy D-Raw is back on his thing. So I know we didn't get to talk about the Pro Bowl really uh at least the aftermath for sure and um we got to talk about the super bowl some nba updates all-star weekend houston rockets updates college basketball um houston cougs how they doing where they going uh baseball spring training is almost heating up we're almost there uh and then we got to talk about a little bit of boxing and um then we can close it out from there guys but um Let's get into it. So, talking about the Pro Bowl, the NFL Pro Bowl was actually pretty good. You know, a lot of people had stopped watching it uh, when it was the, the old formation of just everybody play a game and we go out there in pads and a lot of people really don't want to hit. They don't want to wrap up. They don't really want to do anything. Everybody's scared to get hurt. But now you get paid a little bit more money and it's flag football so you don't have to risk the the chance of taking an impact injury but now you you can still unluckily unluckily get um an injury as far as um you know just stepping on the field or something like that some kind of non-contact injury or something like that you know but um otherwise the pro bowl is a lot better with all the skill different games that they have now and um, things like that going forward, it's it's a lot better. And just talking about the different skill games, you know, they, they got like, man, they got tic-tac-toe, they got dodgeball, uh, they got some called high stakes, they got a precision passing uh, uh, test, you know, to go against the, the other AFC, NFC kind of, you know, deal. Uh, who, who's going to have the best catch? They got things um, where they're catching on the water, and being pulled by a boat it's so many different things they're doing uh and just talking about that like nfc pretty much dominated um the afc in a lot of these games this year um nfc won the precision passing they, they won closest to the pin snapshots dodgeball and best catch you know so NFC dominated the AFC, especially on that first eventful day of Thursday. Then we rolled into Sunday, and um, there was tic-tac-toe, move the chains. Uh, they even played Madden, NFL, head-to-head. Um, they had a gridiron gauntlet, a tug-of-war, and the NFC, bro, just dominated all the way down the board except tic-tac-toe. Um, it's pretty sad for the AFC part, you know. Because NFC really just looked like they was the better guys all the way around throughout the Pro Bowl. Getting into the actual Pro Bowl game, you know, they play a game of flag football. And 
um, you have that's when you have your your best quarterbacks, your best receivers, your best running backs all playing a game of flag football. Um, that's what everybody goes there to really see, of course, um, because you you really get to put all those skills to work and see how this player is really going to cover this player, this and that, you know. And this is this is no no tackle football, so it's really just all about skill. You know, it's really made more for uh, the skill positions more than anything because um, that's that's what flag or 707 has always been for. But in the meantime, you know, they have um, the 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 tug of war and all the other things that they do in the trenches for the, the big guys. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the, the linemen, uh, the offensive tackles, the, the guards, the DNs, and things like that. They have a contest where who can pull something the fastest, who can move this the fastest, and, you know, things like that uh, for those those guys to compete which is i think it was like the gridiron thing or something like that right but nfc dominated man nfc even dominated in the uh pro bowl game it was the final score was 64 59 but talking about the pro bowl i really want to talk about the aoc team specifically specifically about cj stroud cj stroud man uh I, before i get into all the cj stroud uh, things it seems like ever since the Pro Bowl, they really just been the media just been glued on CJ Stroud, what he's doing, where he's going next, and all those kind of things. But man, that pass to Jamar Chase was amazing. It was very different, and it also gave exposure to the world that's watching CJ Stroud in the Pro Bowl ball out, and it also gave him the ability to kind of mingle and communicate with all the different um receivers and stuff like that because now they kind of see what's really making this dude special you know what i'm saying why why cj stroud may be the quarterback they want to have in the future throwing to them and i feel like him throwing that pass to jamar chase opened some eyes to some other receivers rather it was jamar chase who was trying to put in a little pitch to cj stroud to my come play with him no bro you mean you want to come play with cj stroud because cj stroud is not leaving the h to go to cincinnati plus y'all already got joe burrow but joe burrow is at this point injury prone in our book but hey i hope joe burrow has a much healthier season next year but anyways moving on cj stroud Balled out in the Pro Bowl. Then he went on Michael Parsons' uh, podcast. And, um, you know, they had a little contest about who would he have uh, all 11 on each side of the ball. Offense, defense. And they put a team against each other. And all those kind of things. And it just kind of opened your eyes about how C.J. Stroud sees X's and O's. And uh, how he can, um, you know, just understand the game. But... Passing that by, he also attended uh, the celebrity baseball game here in Houston, uh, who was hosted by uh, uh, Travis Scott. So, with that being said, he actually had seven home runs in the uh, in the baseball game. It was a home run derby, and and he hit seven out the park at Minute Maid Park, supposedly. So that's seven moonshots for C.J. Stroud, showing off his athleticism. Um, after the 
after the baseball game, the whole baseball world wanted to look in on who CJ Stroud was riding with or whatever, and it was Amber Rose. Amber Rose claimed that she really don't know him. They don't know each other. You know, it, it's kind of weird for her to say that, and you just got in a, in a car with a stranger. You know what I'm saying? Or you let a stranger get in your car. Whatever the case may be. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? It's pretty interesting. But, hey, CJ Stroud, man, just stay stay on the right path, man. Don't let these celebrity women and stuff like that, you know, reel you in, bro, and take you off your game. I, I want you to keep improving, young fella. Um, besides that, man, stay away from the Kardashians, too. Because uh, I seen you, you know, you was at the Super Bowl in a suite. You look pretty bored, bro. But, hey, stay bored. Stay away from the Kardashians. My guy, uh, I'm, I'm telling you, man. Everybody that get around the Kardashians, they don't be right. Um, anyways, 31 points in the celebrity basketball game for the NBA All-Star Weekend. My boy CJ Stroud balled out, you know what I'm saying? He went ridiculous. Unfortunately, he did not get that W. Um, team Shannon Sharp actually ended up winning. And that team had Michael Parsons, Puka Nakua, and some other guys. CJ Stroud was under the... Um, under the uh, the team Stephen A or whatever, and yeah, they lost. Of course, of course, Stephen A would, you know, get them the L. Stay fly or get fly like a true connoisseur by getting the Houston Sports Connoisseur apparel. Shop now for ten percent off. <laughs> Super Bowl talk. I'm gonna tell you what my impressions were and my uh, disappointments. You know, um, I would most definitely say I, I was disappointed, man, and um. In San Francisco, uh, defense in the end, I was impressed with um, how they kept the game close, but I was also impressed with Brock Purdy's play. You know, a lot of people want to knock Brock Purdy, but Brock Purdy really didn't play bad. And Jawan Jennings, man, he played his butt off in that game. And I thought he would have did enough, just enough to get the, the dub and probably be MVP for San Francisco. But unfortunately, San Francisco could not close out in that game. Um... Anyways, you know, with that being said, let's get right into this Super Bowl game, man. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs got the dub, 25-22. to 22. Um, they, they moved ahead to get back-to-back titles. The first um, team to get back-to-back titles in 19 years. Uh, and I'm guessing the last team to do that was probably the uh, Patriots or something. Um, but anyways, man... Um, Looking at everything, Kansas City got the dub 25-22. Patrick Mahomes went 34 for 46. 333, two TDs, one interception. He was sacked three times, surprisingly. Um, Brock Purdy, 23 for 38. 255, one TD, sacked one time. Um, Mahomes did throw the ball a little bit better than, than Brock Purdy. I think the difference in this game, man, really, as the game came down the line, or just different parts, was the turnovers, you know, um... San Francisco had, what, two turnovers in that game? But you know what? When you look at how many times Kansas City fumbled the ball, they had five. So, overall, like, neither team really played perfect ball. San Francisco had many chances to really win this game. Even out from the the beginning when McCaffrey was just running and running it down their throat. And then he lost the ball. He fumbled the ball, you know? Um, But... Where I also seen the the biggest loss in this game was 
I feel like San Francisco had too much talent on the offense to not be able to find some kind of explosive play to take advantage of Kansas City, especially down the line. And then I feel like San Francisco had too many good players in their front seven. Man, we we talking about Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, um, um, who's on the other side? My boy, uh, uh, uh God, Chase Young. You had Greenlaw. You know, you have too much talent in the in the front seven to not dominate against Kansas City, and they have solid DBs. And then when we talk about what Kansas City got on the receiving end of everything, that's where they struggle. This is the the worst Kansas City offensive uh, receiving unit I think they ever brought this far. You know what I'm saying? And a lot of that just goes to show that Kelsey was a big dog in this game, and he's been a big dog throughout this playoff. Also, it also goes to say how much better Mahomes make his receivers around him because McCole Hartman, he was, what, traded or something like that to them because he was underachieving. Um, Valdez Scanley, he's a decent receiver, but he's nothing special. Rasheed Rice is the up-and-coming young guy. He, you know what I'm saying? He made some plays, most definitely, six receptions, and he, and he made them when it really mattered. But, like I said, the, the biggest disappointment, the disappointment to me is that San Francisco knew where Mahomes was going. And he was going to Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey had 10 targets in that game and 9 receptions. That goes to show that he still found ways to beat the DBs, beat the linebackers. And when we're talking about linebackers, we're talking about a bona fide, probably number one, number two linebacker in the NFL in Fred Warner. And there was times where he made Fred Warner look a little silly. But even then, Fred Warner still had 13 total tackles. You know what I'm saying? He was all over the field. I've seen Fred Warner, Warner running sideline to sideline. He had uh, Mahomes had Eric Armstead in his face. He had uh, Nick Bosa in his face. You know, it's, it's too much talent on that San Francisco defense for them to really just lose this game. Don't get me wrong. No no discredit to Kansas City defense. You know what I'm saying? Um, but San Francisco is supposed to win this game. You know, especially going down the line. And then, you know, I'm just go ahead and jump jump to the to the end. We got the overtime, right? Um and jump into the end. I'm, I'm gonna jump to the last play. Seven seconds left on the clock. If I'm the coach. And, and I'm, I'm highly d- disappointed in Shanahan because this is, what, his third time going to the Super Bowl um, and kind of disappointing. The first time he was with, with Atlanta and he let the, the Patriots come back as he was the OC at the time. Uh, they was up, what, 28-3 here in Houston. Let the Patriots storm back, get the dub. So it's something in his, in his DNA where he just don't know how to close out games and get the dub. Uh, then... The, the the other time was um what four years ago, San Francisco he had what Garoppolo at the time, uh as his as his quarterback. They was in the lead against the Kansas City Chiefs at that time. Garoppolo, I don't know, started throwing some bullshit or whatever. Kansas City uh came back, 
won the game. San Francisco didn't close it out. And for the third time, he got the lead again, and he can't close it out in the end. And his defense that's supposed to be top dog defense, I'm talking about what uh, what they're, they're, they're number three in the NFL for points against them. And they, they couldn't do anything in the end to stop Mahomes at least one time. I mean, I'm talking about get a sack or something when it really counted, when it really mattered, or, or a turnover or something like that. They could not do it. So, you know, it's disappointing with seven seconds on the clock. And uh, and Kansas City just continues to let the ball, uh, I mean, letting the clock run, run down. And, and San Francisco never done, you know, to say, timeout you know call a timeout bro it's seven seconds left on the clock the, the clock is running down Kansas City is going to do whatever they got you know what I'm saying whatever they best play they finna run it right now and Mahomes already knew what the play was going to be who he was going to whatever the case may be smart thing for a defensive coach to do or uh whoever's in charge at that time I know Shanahan's an offensive guy but he got his defensive coordinator calling the plays and the smart thing to do, bro, is manage the game, number one. Manage the game, call timeout, let me get my guys a, a little breather because they're obviously tired. They've been tired for a while now uh, on this drive. Let me call another time. I know they called a timeout probably like two or three plays uh, prior to giving up the win to the Chiefs. Um, but they should have called another one, bro. It, you have nothing to lose. You got nothing but timeouts in your pocket. Call timeout, get your guys on the field, and get them in the right position. Get them in the best position that you can possibly get them in so you can get the dub. That's what I would have did. You know what I'm saying? Now, after timeout, we come out and we give give the dub up. Hey, hell, at least I tried. At least I put my best effort forward. But at, the, at that point, to me, I don't feel like San Francisco put their best effort forward. I don't feel like they strategized the best they could because they didn't call timeout. And they probably just ran out there in some base defense anyway and they allowed, allowed uh, McCole Hartman to get open. You not only allowed McCole Hart, Hartman to get open, but you allowed him to revive, you know, revive his career, like re rebirth himself into a new career into a new contract or something like that. This guy now has something to lean on forever, and that's going to be the one reason why he's going to get paid because y'all just blew coverage, put a, a, a bad defense up against him, and to be honest, like that wasn't the only play. Kansas City could have won the game on another play, and I remember uh, – I want to say Pacheco or somebody. Somebody was open in the middle of the field. I can't remember who it was. It was a couple plays prior. But Kansas City could have finished them then. So this is like I said, just goes to show that the 49ers really, really blew coverage in, in that in that overtime, bro. Like, really did. And I know everybody kept talking about the 49ers taking the ball first and things like that. That being a mistake. Honestly, I'm not really mad at the 49ers for taking the ball first. They they defense had been on the field all that time, um, you know, prior before overtime. So them taking the ball, receiving the ball first, didn't did 
it didn't hurt them because it gave their defense a breather and it allowed their offense that had just been sitting on the sideline for a while to come out there and play. So their offense should have been ready and good to go. But also at the same time, the offense never, never finessed. They never achieved anything when it came to their receivers. I mean, you talking about Debo Samuel, Brandy Ayuk, um, What's 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 the white dude? Um, the tight end. I can't remember his name right now, but um, there's like I said, man. It just seemed like this team got too much talent. George George Kittle, you know, he didn't do anything in that game. He never really got up. He had four yards receiving, but other players did step up. Christian McCaffrey played the hardest he could. He was responsible for 160 yards. You know, total by himself. So, I can't knock him. I just think the people that they really needed to step up should have stepped up. And we can talk about Brock Purdy too. There was times in that game that Brock Purdy could have stepped up in the pocket or took off and ran and probably got about 10 yards or something. And he did it and he threw the ball and it was incomplete. But I'm not going to really knock him too hard. Now, I will say this. You can definitely see the difference between Brock Purdy and Mahomes. Mahomes is a little bit more gutsy. Mahomes is uh, playing more with his hair on fire than Brock Purdy. Mahomes wanted it a little bit more. He was willing to get hit or whatever the case. You know what I'm saying? When he got out the pocket, he was was ready to, to do whatever he had to do to get the dub. And that's why Mahomes won. And I didn't see that out of Brock Purdy. Did Brock Purdy play a good game? Yes, he did. To me, he did. You know, a lot of people could say he played terrible, but he didn't. He didn't. There were some passes he missed. There was, but there was also some passes Mahomes missed. I would say that there was more valuable passes that Purdy missed, but he had pressure in his face. And I'm going to tell you this, man. What really killed the, the 49ers on the offensive side, was Chris Jones. Chris Jones dominated their offensive line. Their offensive line did not play up to par when they needed him on third. I mean, when they needed needed them to on third down. Uh, it seemed like every third down, Chris Jones was in the backfield making an impact, making a play. And for that reason right there, for what he did, if there was no Chris Jones uh, for Kansas City in this game, in this Super Bowl, Kansas City would not have won this game. He was so dominant in front of whoever he was getting in front of um, against the, the San Francisco 49ers O-line that he pretty much won this game for Kansas City by himself, honestly, in my opinion. But, hey, Kansas City gets the dub 25-22. San Francisco loses another Super Bowl. Kansas City wins another Super Bowl. And... <clears throat> And now, they're considered a dynasty at this point. Who can stop him? Him. Mahomes. He's him. Um, Honestly, it has to be somebody like C.J. Stroud up and coming. I feel like he can be somebody that can slow him down. Um, Joe Burrow, if he can ever get back healthy and right, he can be somebody that can slow him down because he done it before um it's a lot of guys in the AFC man the AFC gonna be real dangerous 
but there's nobody touching Mahomes right now. And right now he the big dog, he the goat of the NFL. And uh, I like to see somebody try to you know slow him down. But you know I'm I'm always gonna ride with my Houston Texans, baby. You know what I'm saying? I, I think C.J. Stroud is is the next up and coming big dog. I know a lot of people uh, like to talk about disappointment, you know, uh, with, with Lamar Jackson, but you, you can't never count him out either. The Ravens will be back. Um, so will uh, some of these other NFL teams out of the AFC. And I talked about this on past episodes. There's a lot of teams out the AFC West that's going to be ready to, to go and rumble with Mahomes. But there's also going to be some teams just around the AFC period that's going to be ready to go and rumble with Mahomes. So, NFL 2024-2025 season is going to be real spicy. It's going to be real, real spicy. I can tell you that much. But, hey, moving on, man. Let's talk about the NBA. Um, moving to the NBA topic, we got All-Star Weekend. The NBA All-Star Weekend is action-packed and it's ready it's ready to go. You know what I'm saying? We ready to see all the things that's going to come. Now, since this is post the All-Star um, Skills Challenge dunk contest, three-point contest, we're going to go ahead and talk about it. So, overall, man, um, jumping into the All-Star three-point contest, Stephen Curry had one against Sabrina. Uh, Sabrina, I don't want to butcher her name, but I think it's Inescu, and she is in the WNBA, and to be honest, you know, we talk about a GOAT shooter, you know, we always talk about Stephen Curry, but I tell you this, Inescu, she, she pulled up and she showed out, she was three points short, uh, Stephen Curry had 29 points from the three-point line, she had 26, but also, not only did she have 26, she shot 26 from the NBA three-point line, not their standard WNBA three-point line. So, you got to put respect on her name. Sabrina is her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Stephen Curry hit three more uh, points or whatever over her, whatever the case may be, but Sabrina is her. Um, now, Moving on to the official three-point contest. It was Malik Beasley, Jalen Brunson, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, uh, Lauren Marketing, uh, Donovan Mitchell, Carl Anthony Towns, Trey Young. Man, that's a lot of people in that, right? So, just to go ahead and jump right on it. Malik Beasley eliminated in the first round. Jalen Brunson eliminated in the first round. Um... Tyrese Halliburton, he actually made it to the second round, and then he had a tiebreaker. He got eliminated as well. He had, what, 26 and 12. Um, Dame Lillard and um, Carl Anthony Towns, Trey Young, those three made it to the finals. Donovan Mitchell got eliminated in the first round, and so did Laurie Marketing. Dame Lillard ended up being a champion. He had 26, 16, and 26. Um, the other guys had 26, 16, and 22 from Carl Anthony Towns. Trey Young, 26, 15, and 24. Um, but yeah, Dame Lillard was your three-point contest winner. Skills challenge-wise, team Pacers included Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Matherin, Miles Turner, 
they were the champions going up the runner going against the runner-ups and Scotty Barnes, Tyrese Maxey, and Trey Young. Um, and then third place was Paolo Banchero, Anthony Edwards, Victor Wimbiana. Those guys ended up in third place. They got a grade of a D uh, for their overall performance. They were horrible. Um, but the champions was the team Pacers, as I mentioned. Um, Rising Stars Challenge for those that was interested. Uh, team Jalen won. And um, the star for that team was Chet Holmgren. They got the dub going against um, some of the other teams, such as uh, Team Detlef, who their star player was Izan Amansa uh, from the league Ignite which was basically a G League team uh, going against uh, some young NBA up-and-coming players, which is pretty fun for um, a G League uh, superstar roster being put together, you know, for those young ballers that's uh, trying to show up and show out for the NBA. And then you had Team Powell. Um, team Powell was uh, Victor Wimbiana, um Brandon Miller, you know, all the kind of the young top guys that that's just got drafted. Jabari Smith Jr., our own Jabari Smith Jr. from Houston uh, was was on that team. He only put up four points though, which was highly disappointing. Um, you know, and then there was another team, Team Tamika. Um, team Tamika had Paolo Benchero as a star player, and he only had five points of uh, two for seven. So a lot of these guys, you know, they they went in there, they try to show out. Some of them didn't really uh, look too good, but Jaden Ivy, he he played his ass off in uh, eight points. Uh, four steals, three three rebounds. You gotta res- put it respect on his name. Um, but hey, you know it is what it is, man. It, it's just all there for fun. Scoot Henderson even looked pretty decent in this game. Ten points. Uh, he only had uh, one assist though. But hey, man, you know, like I said, it's it's just there for fun, and uh, that's that's the results. Now, talking about the big game, uh, as we talk about the actual All Star game. You know that that always takes place on 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 a Sunday, and um, it's it's back to East and West people. Um, it's Eastern Conference versus Western Conference. They finally um, stop you know trying to do Team Brian and Team Giannis and things like that. And with that being said, the starters for the Western Conference is Luca, Kevin Durant, Shea Gilders Alexander. LeBron James, who need to stay at home. Uh, Nikola Jokic. So, uh, in the Eastern Conference starters, we got Giannis, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Halliburton, Damian Lillard, and Jason Tatum. Oh, and uh, Joel Embiid won't be playing because of that injury he had got a couple weeks ago. And in place of him uh, will be um, the Miami Heat center. Uh, I can't remember bro name right now, but... Uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be the center uh, out of bio. Uh, he'll be replacing um, Joel Embiid. So, then you got your your, your reserves. Uh, some of the reserves are like Devin Booker, Stephen Curry, Anthony Davis, Anthony Edwards. Um, on the eastern side, we got uh, Bam Adebayo, who's going to, like I said, become a starter. Paolo Banchero, Jalen Brown, Jalen Brunson, Donovan Mitchell, my boy, you know. But anyways, man, that, that that's what we got right there. Um, like I said, NBA, NBA All-Star Week is always a little interesting. But I actually feel like 
the NFL Pro Bowl is a little bit better than NBA All-Star at this point. I feel like the dunk contest is boring. Oh, Mac McClung, he won uh, the dunk contest. The finals came down to Jalen Brown and him. Mac McClung got the final dunk over uh, Brown. I mean, not not over Brown. He, he got the final dunk uh, over Shaquille O'Neal. He dunked over Shaquille O'Neal. And you know, Shaquille's what, 7172? So that's pretty damn high, bro. That's a lot of inches. That's a lot of inches. Um, he, he got like a little reverse dunk over Shaquille O'Neal, got him a 50 point score, which helped him beat Jalen Brown. Um, now, I can't talk about the NBA without talking about the main point the Houston Rockets. The Houston Rockets, at this point of the season, people are 24 and 30 with six games under 500 and they're highly underachieving uh, to me at this point when we come back from the all-star break we will be taking on new orleans and the new orleans pelicans um will be at home and then that will be a thursday february 22nd friday 23rd we'll be taking on the phoenix suns and then a couple of days off, we got um, Oklahoma City in a back-to-back -back, uh, Sunday, then a Tuesday, Oklahoma City again. So, <clears throat> just talking about the next four games, I could tell you right now, it's hard for me to see the Rockets winning any of these four games right now. New Orleans is a, a damn good team. They've dominated the Houston Rockets uh, in quite a few games this year. And Phoenix, we already know what kind of firepower, firepower they have. Can the Rockets beat them on a good night? Yes. Oklahoma City, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Shet Holmgren. It's a lot to, uh, you know, it's a lot to really be asking us to really take down and defeat. Um, these next four games are going to be tough. But even if I expand the, the, the search, my boys um, and girls, um, that Thursday, February 29th, and March 2nd, we got Phoenix in a back-to-back -back as well. So, we talking about New Orleans, Phoenix, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma City, Phoenix, Phoenix. Man, we talking about the Houston Rockets possibly losing their next six games, people. Because they have not played consistent basketball. And Tari Eason has not been healthy. I don't know what's going on with him. He's day-to-day -day or whatever the case may be. Um, and then um, um, Fred Van Vliet, he's out. He got a little injury as well, so can't depend on him to be back. Jalen Green hasn't been consistent. <sighs> Jalen Green has not been consistent. Uh, Alperin Sengun has not been consistent. And... You know, we talk about Alpi, man. Alpi was supposed to be our all-star player. Our first all-star player that we, you know, had in since with James Harden. And he failed to, to to hit that marker this year. And I can tell you why. It's because he has not been consistent. You know, um, I thought Jalen Green was going to be a lot better this year. And he's been a lot worse. There's been some games where he did look good, but he has not really looked that great. Jabari Smith Jr., I could say the same thing about him. They all have been good in different spurts of the season, but none of them has really put that game, put their game together 
um, to really say that they're ready to really take the next step to me. You know, um, a man Thompson, he's played well, especially since Van Vliet has stepped down and uh, been out. I like what I've been seeing out of man Thompson. Cam Whitmore, same thing. Uh, I don't know what's going on with Cam. He's been hurt for a couple games as well. So, man, I don't know what this Rockets team is doing, to be honest. You know, I, I was highly disappointed they didn't make no trades at the trade deadline. And with them not making no trade, and that that uh, that Stephen Adams trade don't count, bro. Because he can't play this year. And since they traded for him just to play next year or, or to do whatever they're going to do with him at this point, I think the Rockets didn't, you know, cash in on this season. I don't think they really want to win this season. I don't think the Rockets really is trying to play for the play-in at this point. The Rockets are just doing, you know, whatever to get through the next, what, 20-something games to get to the end of the season at this point. I I, I hope I'm wrong. You know, I heard um, Emi Udoka say some things about, changing up the lineup and, and, and getting these guys back on the right page and making sure they fight, you know, uh, every night. But, man, I just don't see it. Jay Sean Tate has been a big, big L for this team, you know, averaging four points off the bench in 17 minutes. He's not doing a lot. Uh, I think at this point in his career, he should be a better offensive player. I know he's defense first, but, man, he got to do something consistent, bro, something. And I'm just not seeing it. I like what I'm seeing out of Aaron Holiday off the bench. He's been pretty consistent. And he's somebody that you can really depend on to really just go out there and put numbers up in spurts as well. So, man, like I said, this Rockets team, I don't really know what to say about them. But I don't think they're going to make the playoffs at this point. College basketball, man, is heating up at this point. Uh, we're in the middle of February at this point already. And, um... I'm happy to say that the Houston Cougars have locked up a number one seed so far. They're number one in the South. Um, Arizona is number one in the West. And UConn is number one in the East. Purdue is number one in the Midwest. Um, I'm liking what I'm seeing out of U of H, man. Like, they've been dominant. They've showed dominance each night they've played or afternoon whenever they've, they've played. And today, they show true dominance at home against the Texas Longhorns. Um, horns down, as always. U of H got the victory 82-61. to But even then, let's just look at the last, you know, the last couple games. They beat Cincinnati, which is a solid team, 67-62. They beat uh, Oklahoma State, 79-63. And up next, we got Iowa State in a rematch. And I know we uh, talked about that game before, but now it's really time to break it down, man. Break it down. Um, Iowa State, we will be playing them on Monday night, 8 o'clock. It's moved into the primetime slot. And uh, they actually got U of H favored by a huge margin, 86%. Say U of H wins this game. Um I'm going to ride with the Cougs anyway. You already know. There's no choice for me. Um, but seeing Iowa State for a second time, I think U of H should really dominate these guys. But um, it, it's a big game. You know what I'm saying? Iowa State's number 10. Um, they're both 9-3 in conference play. 
Iowa State did win the first game in Iowa, but there was a lot of, you know, crap going on in that game. But I can tell you this one thing. U of H has a true home court advantage, and they know how to control it and own it. And I love the chances of U of H dominating this game against Iowa State because it's going to be totally different, you know, us not being on the road, and they got to come into Fertitta Center. Retita Center is nothing to, you know, laugh at. It's not a laughing stock kind of arena. It's a smaller arena, but it's a beast of an arena. It gets real loud. The crowd roars. And um, when the, that ball starts going through that net, it's all game, baby. And I'm going to ride with the Cougs all the way. Um, speaking of the Cougs also, man, I, I want to talk about the next couple games as well because we got uh, Iowa State, and then we got Baylor, and we'll be playing at Baylor, and this will be our only shot at Baylor uh, uh, in the near future, you know what I'm saying, until next season, really, or or possibly tournament play. So, Baylor's number 12, so we, we, we got two tough games back-to-back, 10 and 12. Baylor's number 12, we're playing at Baylor, um, and like I said, man, it's going to be a tough game for the Houston Cougars. Houston is favored in that game right now, 72%. Um, but Baylor is no, no pushover team as well. They're 8-4 in conference play. And um, I'm pretty sure Baylor is going to be licking their chops when Houston come in there because, number one, we come in there as a top dog. Baylor is looking for any opportunity to knock off a top dog to move up in the rankings. If they're already at 12, I can only imagine um, where they'll probably be at by time Houston plays them um, next weekend. So, Baylor is taking on uh, BYU before they play U of H. Mind you, BYU is ranked number 19. BYU has been having an up-and-down season. Uh, but if BYU can take it to Baylor um, with consistency, I don't know what we'll get out of that game. But if Baylor can get that dub, it's going to help Baylor not actually move up in the rankings, but get another dub for them, you know, against a top 25 team and moving in against Houston, you know, or Houston moving in against them. They're going to be real thirsty. They're going to be real hungry. And they're really going to be licking their chops at the Houston Cougars. And the Houston Cougars is going to go in there and play some Houston Cougar basketball. And I think Houston Cougars. The Houston Cougars come out with a W. So, moving on. Yay! Next topic, MLB. The MLB is heating up. We got uh, spring training really, you know, about to start up. The players are getting loose. Um, we, we see that Justin Verlander is coming back for another season. He's primed to go. I don't know if he's going to be a full-time starter like, uh, like before. Or what to really expect with him. But um, I know the, the baseball pitching rotation is going to be totally different for the Astros this year. With Josh Hader uh, being a true reliever for the Astros now. That moves Presley, I guess, into more of a reliever role. Which kind of helps the Astros. And um, we also get some of our pitching back. You know, So with all that being said, the Astros getting healthy. The pitching rotation is being healthy. Um, the Astros is back on the on the uh, 
on a stroll, man. They they ready, they hungry, and I think this is a year that we can really go out there and prove ourselves. Especially saying seeing that I seen the Chiefs get a W in the Super Bowl and prove that they're a dynasty. Now it's the Astros time to go out there and get a dub in the World Series and prove that they are a dynasty. Two two dubs, man, ain't enough for a lot of people. You know, especially considering that they've been eight eight times or seven times or whatever. Uh, but if we if we make it an eight time or whatever case uh, going to the ALCS and then uh, getting to the World Series, this go round. Let's get the dub, Houston. You know what I'm saying? Let's be dominant. Let's prove that we're a dynasty, and let's hang that pennant so nobody can doubt this team. And let's be a team of two decades that everyone had to talk about. You know, for two decades, that would be something for the Houston Astros. Uh, I would love to see it, and I, I really hope that's the direction we're going for sure. Um, now, let's get on this boxing. Now, when I was talking about boxing, I was talking about Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia. Uh, these two guys are supposed to be fighting. Devin Haney is up to f defend his title Versus Ryan Garcia. You know, it's been a lot of trash talk. A lot of um, head busting, head button, or whatever the case may be. Trash talking to each other's face. Uh, them letting each other know that, you know, neither one of them is uh, better than the other. Or whatever the case may be. But I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to give my early predictions. The fight is April 20th, 20th in Las Vegas. Uh, and I'm going to ride, man, with Devin Haney. It's not really hard for me to choose him, you know, seeing what I've seen out of him. But I was highly disappointed in what I've seen out of Ryan Garcia when he took on Tank. But also, I know Devin Haney got a little power behind his punch. And if Ryan Garcia can't handle Tank, I don't think he's going to be able to handle Devin Haney. And it's no shot at Tank, you know what I'm saying? But I don't think this guy is really ready. And I know he got a, you know, a couple different things going on with his team now. He might be, you know, better off trained. But honestly, you know, when we, when we talk about Ryan Garcia, Garcia really needs this fight um, against against um, Haney because this would be the one fight that he has on his record sheet that would actually generate uh, respect. You know what I'm saying? Especially if he get the W, or even even if it come down to a UD, and he get the and he take a L, um, you know what I'm saying? And he and they and they both come out of there battered. He would get a lot of respect. But if he go down like he did against Javante Davis in that super fight, man, there's no way Garcia is gonna get any more respect for a while. You know what I'm saying? Considering how he went down from a, a TKO a body shot and and you know it, it, it was highly disappointing you know and like I said bro with that being said a 31 and 0 15 KO Haney versus a 24 and 1 20 KO Garcia they say he got the quickest hands in the land but man I'm gonna ride with Haney I, I just feel like I seen Haney knock off knock off some good fighters uh, you know, Lomancheco, Vasily. He beat him. You know, he beat Prograis. 
which I didn't know a lot about at the time, but Progress got a nice little record behind him too. Um, and I just think that Haney is building the right record sheet and he he's knocking off some good guys that had the right respect. But now we're gonna see. You know, two youngsters clash, Garcia, Haney, who you got, people let me know in the comments. Um I'm riding with Haney. And and you know, we're gonna break this down again. Come come closer to the fight, come closer to uh April twentieth, which is about a month away. Um we're gonna we're gonna break this down because it's gonna get real inter interesting. And when we do break it down, of course it's gonna be me, T Walk or Corey or somebody, we're gonna break it down and really make our picks and and really give y'all the, the true blueprint of this fight. But uh, otherwise, man, I appreciate y'all listening. Get your gear, man. Show some love. HSC all the way, and your boys out. What's up, people? It's your boy D Raw the Connoisseur, bringing you fresh apparel and much more. Are you cold? Cool. Then we got long sleeves and hoodies, too. Are you feeling hot or need to work out? Cool. We got the short sleeves just for you. And then if you have a newborn, we got the onesies, too. Put it all together and become a true connoisseur family. Join me and wear the Houston Sports Connoisseur apparel.